As, uh, as we said earlier, we're beginning a brand new series called uh, Love and War. And, you know, although our relationships are supposed to be characterized by love, sometimes they're characterized by uncivil war, right? That's a joke, uncivil, you know, you get it? You, you got it, I can tell you got it. Not civil war, but uncivil war, right? And so that's why for the month of February, we're just going to talk about relationships. And today I'm going to begin the series talking about fighting for a happy marriage. And next week, Pastor Larry is going to talk about parenting. And they've successfully raised seven kids that all are serving God. And, uh, and, and so that, how many of you know that's a feat right there? Amen. But they're also discipling really the church, the body of Christ across the nation and teaching about the family and about marriage and parenting. And so, and then in week three, we're going to talk about navigating the single life. How many of you, how many singles do we have in here? Let me see. Let me see your hands. Come on. It's okay if you raise your hands. It's, it's not shame to be single, right? You know, I don't know, maybe 50% of the population or more are single. And, and today people are, are not wanting to get married or putting off marriage later and later. So we're going to talk about that. And then uh, the, in the final week, we're going to talk about uh, skills for building awesome relationships. How many of you know God wants us to have great relationships? Amen? And so why is relationships so important? Because here's the reason. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are or how many Fame, how famous you are, you know, how, how, how many people know about you or how gifted, how many things you've ac- accumulated in life. Relationships, if your relationships are bad, how many of you know it's going to be hard to enjoy life? You can have a pocket full of money, but if your relationships aren't good, it's going to be hard to enjoy life. Isn't that true, gang? And the truth is our happiness in life is largely determined by or connected to our ability to get along with people. It's a fundamental part of life. We've got to learn how to get along with people. And I'm convinced that if we get our relationships right, everything else will pretty much turn out okay. Come on, how many of you know you can get through a lot in life if you just know you got some relationships intact? Come on, is that true? Y'all help me. Come on, it's too early to get quiet. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Amen. So good relationships are truly the most valuable and most important thing that we possess in life. Now listen, our culture is trying to tell us otherwise. Our culture is continuing to uh, cause division and cause fracture in relationships. And, and by the way, social media is not helping at all. It's hurting relationships. We're not talking. We're not looking eye to eye anymore. We're sitting in our living room with our phones while, while our spouse is on the couch or our kids are, you know, come on. Are, are y'all with me? So let's begin today talking about, uh, about uh, fighting for a happy marriage. And I believe cultivating a happy marriage. How many of you know marriage is the foundation of, of civilization? The family is and the marriage is the cornerstone. But yet, so, um, you know, establishing a happy marriage is one of the hardest things that you can work on. Let me just stop for a moment. Even if you're not married or you're, you know, don't want to get married or you're single, just listen to this because I think maybe you can help other people and maybe you'll be able to use this right down the road because maybe just right down the road is your wedding day. Amen. But, you know, cultivating a happy marriage, everybody that's married, wouldn't you agree? Cultivating a happy marriage is not so easy. Okay, that's two amens. 
The rest of you, come on, I'm waiting for you to get on board here, right? But yet, it's one of the most rewarding things that you'll ever do is cultivate a happy marriage. You know, Pat Riley, you know, he's a famous basketball coach, won many NBA championships. And he said this, if you can sustain a healthy family or marriage for a long period of time, you can sustain most any kind of success. If you can sustain a happy family and marriage, you can sustain almost any kind of success. Why? Because everything else is relationally connected. And so whether we realize it or not, the quality of our marriage really directly affects the overall quality of our life. And listen, after 25 years of being married, almost 26 now, and countless hours of counseling uh, couples, I, I have discovered that an unhappy marriage equates to an unhappy life, and a happy marriage translates into a, a happy life. Amen? And so listen, so when it comes to marriage, I think marriage can be like, like sweet cherry pie. It can be like sweet cherry pie, sweet to the taste and easy to swallow. Or marriage can be like sour apple crumble, sour to the taste and hard to swallow. Amen. Now, listen, the difference between desserts is essentially the same as the difference in marriage. It's all about the ingredients that you put into the recipe. Amen. Wouldn't you agree that you can't put a bunch of sour apple ingredients into your sweet cherry pie and expect to get a sweet cherry pie? It's going to be sour cherry pie. And it's the same with, it's true of marriage. You can't put a bunch of sour ingredients into a marriage and expect to get a happy marriage. Amen. Come on, if y'all agree with that, say amen. amen. So if you want an amazing marriage, you got to put in the right ingredients. So let's talk about it. The first one is this. The first ingredient to, to building or forging a happy marriage is protecting the peace and harmony of the marriage. Now, listen, what I'm sharing with you, you know, across the board, people, you know, counseling centers that have counseled couple after couple, marriage after marriage, these are the common ingredients of, of happy marriages or unhappy marriages. And the first one is protecting the peace and harmony of the marriage. I truly believe that the level of happiness in marriage is directly equated to a couple's ability to cultivate peace in the home or peace in the family. Amen. How many of you know you can't really enjoy too much life if you're not having peace in the house? And so the bottom line is to have a happy marriage, you have to work hard at keeping strife and contention out of your marriage. So listen, one of the reasons many couples are not happy, happily married, is because, man, they're not getting along. They're fighting all the time. In Matthew 12, 25, Jesus said, any kingdom where people fight each other, will end up ruined. And a town or family that fights will soon destroy itself. I believe the translation of that verse is, is basically this. You can't enjoy a happy marriage if you're constantly fighting and bickering with each other. Let me see. Let me try a different audience here or something. But man, it's not so easy, is it? But listen, no doubt, constant contention and strife, man, would just erode and destroy a marriage. And so, you know, we have to figure it out. We, like, why are we fighting so much? 
Why is couples fighting so much? Why is that? You know, I don't know. They, I heard somebody say that it's not true. It's not 50%. But they got way too many divorce lawyers that are way too busy. I know that, right? So why is that? Well, there's three main causes of contentions in marriage. And the first one is this. Personal selfishness and self-centeredness. That's one of the main causes. In James chapter 4, he brings it out when he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Aren't they caused by selfish desires that fight to control you? You know, James says it's our uncontrolled selfishness that really is the root of many of our marital fights. You know, whenever you think about it with kids on the playground and they're fighting, you know, one of the reasons why kids fight is because they're selfish, right? But, you know, sometimes, you know, in our marriage, we're just little kids that have grown up, but we haven't dealt with the selfish issue. Come on. There's a mirror on that back wall. I'm looking at it while I'm teaching, okay? Because, you know, how many of you know? It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Right? But James says, listen, it's our uncontrolled selfishness. It's our selfishness that demands things go our way all the time. It's our selfishness that is unwilling to sacrifice to meet the needs of our spouses. And so the bottom line, it's our selfishness that causes many fights. And most marital fires start because of one or two reasons. Number one, we get upset because we're not getting our way. Or number two, we get upset because our spouse is only thinking about themselves. And so neither one of those are fun. And so personal selfishness has to be addressed or dealt with if we can enjoy unity in our marriage. How many of you know if you don't teach children to learn how to deny themselves and deal with their selfishness, they'll never have a friend on the playground. And as adults, if we don't learn to deal with our selfishness, we'll never have a friend in our marriage. Amen. So how do you overcome selfishness? I believe God's antidote to helping us overcome selfishness is (laughs) self-control. Praise the Lord. I know you've been, you came here this morning just to hear that. Self-control is God's antidote. Amen. But listen, which only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us with self-control. And that's what Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, you know, it's not uncommon when you go through 21 days of prayer and fasting that you fight. You know why? Because your flesh is agitated. Your flesh is, I'm not getting my way. You mean I can't eat for lunch? I don't think that's a good idea. And we just come out of our shell and we just say things that we're just like ungodly, right? But it's connected. And so listen, we need to understand that just as selfishness starts fights, it's the fruit of the spirit of self-control that stops fights. And so listen, it's the Holy Spirit's power to help us overcome our selfishness and causes us to have self-control and to be other-centered instead of self-centered. Does that make sense? And I've noticed this, that the more time I spend with the Lord, the better I get along with Tanya and the better I get along with others. Have you noticed that? 
The more time I spend with the Lord, the better I get along in relationships because I think it's because I have more control of the spirit in my life and my flesh is not rearing its ugly head. Amen. So the bottom line is the more spirit filled we are, the less selfish we are. And the less selfish we are, the less quarrels and fights we get into in our marriage. Does that make sense? And so I want you to think about it. If you got in a fight on the way to church this morning, think about, does it have anything to do with your selfishness? Because a lot of times, if you think about it, whenever you get in a fight in your marriage or at work or anywhere, most of the time, you can, you can connect it back to, you want your way. It's our selfishness. Anybody agree with this? Okay, all right, just checking. The second cause of, of marriage contention is personal pride. And that's a cousin of selfishness. But pride only leads to arguments, Proverbs 13, 10. And you know what pride demands? I have to have the last word in this argument. Pride insists, I'm right, and I'm going to prove it to you, and you are wrong. Pride says, uh, don't do me wrong, or I'm going to hold a fence towards you for a year and before I ever let you go. Amen? Pride says, I'm unwilling to take fault, admit wrong, or say I'm sorry. Now listen, if, it, if, if our quarreling in our marriage is not because of selfishness, 95% of the other arguments start because of our sharp disagreements caused by our pride. Amen? And that's what Proverbs says. Pride only leads to arguments. Pride. And so what do we deal with this? It's like, man, you know, this is a, this is a function of humanity where we just, you know, we were selfish and we can be prideful and, and we believe that we're always right. And so how do we deal with this? How do you deal? Do you find yourself constantly quarreling with somebody? That's an, that is an indication that you're dealing with pride. You know, if you're constantly fighting in your marriage, there's a pride problem. If you're constantly fighting with people in the family and in, the, in, in your workplace, there, there's a good indication that it's a pride problem. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this. If you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, in his good time, he will lift you up. Now, notice what Peter says. If you humble yourselves. How many of you know we got to learn how to humble ourselves? We got to learn how to control this pride. Humility is a choice that we can make every day. Humility says, I can choose not to have the last word. Humility says, I can choose not to get easily offended and forgive quickly. I can choose to take fault and wrong and say, I am sorry. I was talking to a guy the other day and he was telling me about uh, 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 somebody in his family that they're, they're, um, they're always fighting. And he said, Todd, I don't know how to help them. Because he said, you know, one of the spouses in the marriage has never in, I don't know how many years, 15, 20 years, has never said, I am wrong and you're right. How many of you know you can't have a happy marriage if you're not willing to fess up? Amen. Come on. I mean, you might be good, but you're not that good. You're going to make a mistake. Amen. Come on. You're going to get it wrong somewhere along the way. But you got to be willing. True humility is willing to admit I'm wrong. True humility, true humility also understands the need for mercy and is willing to extend mercy. You know, it's pride that says, you wronged me? I'll tell you what, you're going to pay for this, buddy. 
for a long time. Well, how many of you know that's not good if God treats us that way? Because we're going to be in a doghouse forever and ever and ever. Amen? And so a major key in avoiding quarreling in marriage is just being willing to humbly say, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Does that make sense? And so, so you have to ask the question, does that ever come out your mouth? Do you ever admit that you're wrong? Because if that, you know, if that is not something that you can admit to, then maybe pride is causing conflict in the home. But I love what James says. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility always releases God's grace of peace and tranquility and unity in your marriage. Amen? Listen, it's hard to fight with somebody that don't want to fight. I mean, that's boring. Come on. How many of you know you get bored trying to fight with somebody that don't want to fight? Amen? Humility says, I'm not fighting, man. I'm taking the gloves off, and you can just go ahead. I'll just, you know, just go, go ahead. Go at it. I'm not, I'm not going to participate in it. Amen? Now, I know nobody in this room deals with this stuff, so we're just talking about people down the road. All right? Okay, and then the third cause of fights and arguments in marriages is the spiritual element. Now, listen, we don't want to blame everything on the enemy, on Satan, but we have to, we have to um, take into account and not forget about the influence of the enemy. You know, when Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, a divided kingdom ends in ruin or a city or home divided against itself cannot stand. How many of you know Satan understands this? He understands that if he can cause strife in the house, he'll weaken the house. If he can cause strife in the marriage, he'll weaken the marriage. If he can cause strife in the church, he'll weaken the church. He knows that. And so he tries to divide us so he can weaken us. And his goal is basically to take us all down. Amen? So we have to understand that. We have to and not, try, not work into his ploy. And not work into his, his hands or to his schemes. Amen? You know, I told you the story before, but it, it bears uh, repeating for those of you maybe that didn't hear it. But whenever I started ministry, I was a youth pastor. You know, it seemed like every Wednesday when I got ready to preach, Tanya and I would get in a spat. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to get up and, and talk about the love of Jesus whenever you just said something ugly to your wife. How many of y'all know that? Say, amen. Amen, Todd. Amen. But, you know, we notice like, okay, every Wednesday this happens. Whoa, wait a minute. And then after Wednesday was over, it was okay. And we just got the idea. Maybe it's the enemy that is trying to get us to argue. We finally realized it was the enemy trying to weaken us spiritually so we couldn't be effective in ministry. And so how many of you know, just knowing that makes it easier to break the enemy's back, amen, and to cause him to quit trying to bring division in the home. And so we have to wisen up. Jesus loves to bring peace and harmony. The fruit of Jesus, the characteristic of Jesus is let's get along. The fruit and the characteristic of the enemy is let's fight, let's quarrel, let's argue, let's bicker, let's get after each other. And so let's not act like the enemy, let's act like Jesus, and the peace of God shall guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? 
And so listen what Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So if we want a happy marriage, don't play in the hands of the enemy. Do all you can make every effort to protect the spirit of unity and of peace. Amen. Does that make sense? Now, can I just mention one other thing? Some of us have learned how to fight. Because we came up in an environment of fighting. And we think, we get concerned if there's not a fight, good fight going on. And so we have, to, we have to realize that that's dysfunctional. That's dysfunctional. Functional is learning to get along. Does that make sense? And so listen, you can prophesy and you can have the word of the Lord and you can teach this Bible lesson and be mentoring and all that. But listen, if you can't get along with people, you need to work on yourself. Amen? Come on. Let's say amen together. Amen. Amen. Now let's move on. How about that? Amen. The second ingredient to a happy marriage is getting on the same page emotionally. And what I mean by that is that, you know, sometimes we're like two ships in the night like this. But this is what... Listen what, what uh, Jesus said in Mark 10, 7. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his, and the two shall become one, so they are no longer but flesh. You get the, you get the, the message there? God's intention for every husband and wife is to become one. The two shall become one, one flesh. Meaning that we would no longer be living two separate independent lives, but we would get on the same page. His intention was that we would have the same vision, the same goals, and be on the same page relationally. Listen, I understand that, you know, God's purpose for each of us is a little different in between a husband and wife. But for the most part, we need to be on the same page. But the problem is sometimes the husbands and uh, wives are on two separate pages and they're going in two different directions and they have two separate goals. How many of you know that's not good? That's not good. Amen. And so remember this independency always kills intimacy. In marriage. Independency always kills in intimacy in marriage. You can't live an independent life and have a relationally strong marriage. You know, listen, you can't just have a roommate. Come on, you can't just have a roommate. You got to have a, a spouse, a partner. Amen. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? In other words, you can't, you can't walk hand in hand, arm in arm, if you're going that way and I'm going this way. Does that make sense? He says you've got to be in agreement. You've got to walk together. And so, you know, um, you, to get on the same page relationally, we have to agree on, on certain things in our, in our life, in our family. And let me just suggest some ways to get on the same page relationally. And again, these are some common characteristics over years of study. These are some common characteristics that cause people to not get, or marriages to not get on the same page. The first one is you got to agree on the management and spending of finances. Amen. In other words, you got to sit down and talk through and agree on some financial goals and, and direction for your finance. 
finances. You know, I've talked to couples and they, and you know, you, you bring up the finance question and they say, well, you know, he's got his checking account. I got my checking account. His money is his money. Share my money is my money. And I, I just quickly say, no, no. I mean, it's all right if you have, you know, a, an account where you buy groceries or whatever like that, but it can't be it's mine or it's yours. It's got to be it's ours. Are y'all with me? You're still tracking with me? And so one of the biggest causes of fights in marriages is the mishandling and the spending of finances. That's one of the biggest fights in marriages. It's all about the money thing. And, you know, Tanya and I, early on in our marriage, we, were, we read this book that says, you know, listen, uh, we didn't have much money. But one thing we did was we came together because of the instruction of the book and we got together on our finances. And listen, long before Dave Ramsey came up with the, uh, the envelope system, Tanya and I learned about the envelope system before Dave Ramsey got on the scene. And we learned it from this book we read. And so we had these little envelopes and we had our entertainment money. And man, man, we stress that money. I mean, we were, we were poor as a church mouse, but listen, we, we just manage our finances. Amen. This is our gas money. We ran out of gas, get the envelope. And you know what? It brought us together. And now we still talk about that. Honey, remember when we had to go eat out and share a meal together? And we, we listen, we didn't get in debt. We stayed on budget and it made us stronger. It didn't divide us apart. And so if you're going to get on the same page, you got to come up with a budget. That's a bad word, amen? But you got to develop it, amen? So if you can sit down and come in agreement on the management and spending of your finances, you're well on your way to getting on the same page. Because, man, how much of life has to do with dollars and cents? I mean, as soon as I say amen, y'all going to have to make a decision about dollars and cents. Isn't that true? A second area that will help you get on the same page relationally is agree on the parenting goals and philosophies. In other words, sit down and talk through how do you want to raise your kids? Because a lot of arguments in marriages, especially if there's kids involved, is they fight about how they're going to raise the kids. You got to decide on what values you want to teach them. You got to decide. You got to talk through the goals that you have for your children. What about uh, what? Talk about what you're passionate about. What's really important to you? Because the reality is some of us have passion for things that we want to implement in our parenting because of what we came to experience. And, and so the other, our spouse had a totally different environment. And so they have passions and, and goals that are totally separate from ours. And unless we come together on that, parenting is going to be a major issue. Amen. And many times husbands and wives have, uh, are fighting because they have to two totally different philosophies and goals. One parent believes in spanking. The other one believes in timeout. One parent believes in giving children chores. The other parent believes in giving the children no chores. One parent believes in teaching and mentoring. The other parent says, let them figure it out. That's what's different in philosophy. And so listen, the problem is not how you parent. Or what your philosophy is. That's not the problem. The problem is when you're not in agreement. That's the problem. Because it will translate into frustration and arguing. Does any of this make sense? And so I encourage you to sit down and talk about it. Tell me about what you think is important about parenting. And I think, you know, this is one of the things that can help you get on the same page. A third area that help you get on the same page is finding ways to have fun together. And, and you know, in other words, uh, you know, play, you know, get get something in in going in your marriage where you can both like have fun. 
And you heard that statement, um, the family that prays together stays together. But what about, we should add the couple that prays together and plays together stays together. You know, they did research of the, the healthiest families, the healthiest marriages. And one of the most common, the most common characteristics of healthy marriages and healthy families was they learned to play together. Research has shown that. And so listen, I encourage you to figure out a way for the two of you to be able to have fun together. Because most of the time, the husband's going this way to have fun and the wife's going this way to have fun and they're not having fun together. And listen, you know, I, you know, Tony don't really care about going shoot ducks. But you know, you know what, you know, so I'll have to do that on my own. But listen, we have to find out something that causes us to come together for recreation. Does that make sense? You know, this was something that, again, that we learned in this book that we read together. And, and so whenever Tanya and I sat down to talk about this, you know, it's like, you know, we had to figure out what is a common, it's not so easy to figure out. And so we tried different things. We tried tennis and we all, you know, the rack was over each other's neck after we got done. I couldn't hit the ball, you know. And so it's like, okay, let's not play tennis. And so we tried different things. And so one, one of the things that we said, well, well, uh, I like fishing. You like, yeah, I like fishing. It's almost blew the whole thing up. I, I like to like blow, blew up the whole possibility. So I said, well, let's go fishing. My brother had a canoe. I bored his canoe and said, hey, Tony, let's go fishing. So some of you see the train coming already. But, but let me tell you when it hits the wall, okay? And so I borrowed my brother's canoe, put it in the back of my truck, and we went to, we went to uh, the basin. So, man, we get, in the, we get in the canoe with our, you know, with our, you know, worms, our night crawlers and our poles, our, our Zepco 33s and, and, uh, and the paddles, and here we go. And so we get to somewhere where we think there might be fish. Okay, fish right here. Next thing you know, the canoe is kind of sliding over. It's under trees. Tanya's deathly afraid of spiders. There's spiders everywhere. Tanya almost walked on the water. <laughs> so, so she's like, get me back to the bank and get me back to the bank now. It's like, oh, man, that's a train wreck. And so then I got a real boat. <laughs> and then it was uphill from there ever since. And we still fish together. And we enjoy fishing together. But it's something that we can do that we both enjoy doing. Does that make sense to, to you? And so finally, to get on the same page, not only do you need to find ways to have fun together, but make a bucket list. You know what a bucket list is? Uh, a list of things you want to do before you die. How many of you have some things you like to do before you die? But it's amazing how just dreaming and sharing what you would like to do, vision for your future can bring you together. And, uh, you know, in Matthew Kelly's book, in Seven Levels of Intimacy, he says the first and most surface level relationship is using cliches for, for uh, com communication, like, how you doing? Good. That, that's surface. Just exchanging surface facts. But the fifth and deeper level relationship is when you begin sharing your hopes and dreams and your life ambitions together. But how many of you know you got to come together to share that? You can't be going in separate directions. And so um, I encourage you to sit down and start dreaming and, and thinking about where you would like to be in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years. Write out a bucket list. Man, what would we like to do? And listen, some of the things on your bucket list may seem far out. 
like far-fetched. But how many of you know without vision, people never get there? Amen? So, so when you begin to share, one of my favorite things to do is to sit down on the porch, you know, with a cup of coffee with Tanya and just talk about, honey, what about, and let's, and we just talk about, and just dream about, you know, what, what might happen. And you just start sharing. And so, you know, listen, I mean, we've been able to do things only, uh, and it began with this little pipe dream. You know, I remember for one, 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 one case is whenever, uh, I was, um, Tanya and I were building a house and Pastor Brad was around and, and he was helping me and, and he coached me through that. And I remember him telling me about the power of air miles on a credit card. And he said, man, I, we've been to Hawaii like countless times with air miles. We haven't had to buy tickets. And, and I was like, golly, countless times he's been to Hawaii. Tanya, we could probably go at least once if we got one of them cards. And so we got one of them air miles cards, United Air Miles cards. And we started dreaming, maybe for our 20-year anniversary, we can go to Hawaii. Well, guess what happened? For our 20-year anniversary, we went to Hawaii. But listen, that would have never happened without visions and dreams, without a bucket list. And man, you know what's really cool is whenever you can work towards that together and you accomplish it and you could give each other a high five and say, we did it. Praise the Lord. We went. People think we're rich and we're not. We just planned. And we saved and we did it. We had a budget. Praise the Lord. Come on, are y'all tracking with me this morning? Amen. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Amen. The third ingredient to happy marriage is focus on meeting each other's needs. Remember that book I mentioned, Matthew Keller's book in Seven Levels of Intimacy? You know what he says is the seventh and the deepest level of intimacy in marriage is whenever you start meeting the legitimate needs of the other one. Wow. That takes maturity. It takes spiritual maturity to not focus on your own needs, but to focus on the needs of your spouse. And this is connected to that selfishness thing, but Ephesians 5.33 says, However each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Why does Paul admonish husbands to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands? You know why? It's the two greatest needs of individuals. The greatest need of a wife is to feel loved. The greatest need of a husband is to feel respected. That's why. And so here's why I believe, here's why I believe we should focus on meeting each other's needs. Because whenever your needs are being met, it helps you feel fulfilled and content. And so, you know, one of the greatest things that we could do for each other in marriage is to focus on the other one's needs and try to meet the other's needs. But how many of you know this is not our normal tendency? Our normal tendency is, listen, bruh, I got some needs here. And you better get with the program, man. Go talk to one of them pastors down there. You know what I'm saying? Our tendency is to just be totally focused on our own needs instead of the need of the other one. 
But, you know, if we could just get to the point where we say, listen, my goal is not to worry about my spouse meeting my needs. My goal is to fulfill the needs of our spouse. You know, Philippians 2 says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, this is connected to having a servant heart, having a servant spirit, where you just want to serve your spouse. And nothing will kill romance in a marriage more than self-centeredness. But nothing can create more romance in a marriage than whenever you learn to serve each other. See, a happy marriage is created when the husband does all he can to identify and meet the needs of his wife, and the wife does all she can to identify and meet the needs of her husband. And if we're wondering what the biggest need of our wife is, or the biggest need of our husband, we just mentioned it. Love and respect. That's the biggest need. And so we could just start there. And William Harley says this. In, in another book, he says, in his needs, her needs, he said, if we will seek to meet the needs of our spouse in our marriages, we can affair-proof our marriage. We can affair-proof our marriage. Amen? And then finally, the fourth and final in, Ingredient to a happy marriage is focusing on your own personal health and wholeness. And, 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 and what I mean by focusing on our, on your personal, your personal health and wholeness is we need to seek to get healthier as individuals. Because how many of you know we all have issues? <laughs> I didn't get an amen there. How many of you know we all have character issues. And some of us got more than others. Amen. Some of us drag a whole U-Haul with us when we got married. But you know what? Personal issues will hinder our marriages. And, uh, and it keeps you from moving forward. And as long as we're not willing to deal with our personal issues, our marriage can only go so far. And so, you know, the more we deal with our personal issues, the more we can advance in our marriage. And, you know, um, you know, everybody has issues. So the question we need to ask is, what is my issue and what do I need to do about it? Amen. And so what if we really committed to get personally healthier? Isn't it true that hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by people? Hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by people. And we stand there and we say, I ain't got no inner healing problems. I ain't got no anger issue. You better get out of my way before I knock you out. I don't have any problems. Yes. It's denial. You're living in the river of denial. Come out. Come out from among them. Amen. We need, we need our hearts healed. Amen. You know, they say second marriage is twice as likely to end in divorce than first marriages. You know why? Largely because we carry so much emotional and mental baggage from our past hurts or past relationships into our marriage. 
and it's hard to overcome. And somebody said, 80% of what we deal with in our marriage has nothing to do with our spouse. I don't believe that. I know. I know you don't. I know. 80% of what we deal with in our marriage has nothing to do with our spouse, but our past. If that's true, then we can never have a happy, happy marriage until we deal with the issues of our character. You know, uh, a while back, uh, Tanya made me mad. It was a long time ago. Was that last week, honey? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whenever I tell you the story, I, I, I don't think I told you the story, but you're going to think it's ridiculous, and it is. But that's how ridiculous we can be. She said, would you like some eggs? And I said... Are you cooking you some eggs? And she said, well, that's not what I asked you. Do you want some eggs? And I said, well, are you cooking you some eggs? And she said, would you just answer the question, do you want some eggs? It's like, oh, you got an attitude. No, I don't want any eggs. <laughs> yes, I did. I sure did. I don't want no eggs. And so, you know, so we learning how to do what we're talking about here. So it's like, now, now why did that, now why did that set me off? And how did I set her off? And I started thinking about it. And I think the Lord gave me some revelation of why I responded the way that I did. I don't want to throw my mom and dad under the bus. But you know what? I could trace it back to being concerned about inconveniencing my parents. And the whole purpose of me asking her why uh, was she cooking her some eggs is I really, I know you won't believe this, but I didn't want to inconvenience her because I was afraid if I inconvenienced her, she would withhold love. And I want her love and I need her love. Are y'all hearing me? Now, I just got really raw up here. I mean, this is, this is, this is living room stuff. But I wonder what you're dealing with at your house. I wonder what you're dealing with in your marriage, in your relationships. See, gang, more than we know, our issues affect our relationships. And we don't have to apologize for it. There was only one without issues. And he hung on a cross so he could help us with our issues. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and the Bible says that there's good news in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Jesus saying, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus can help us. Amen. Come on, that's a good place to say amen right there. Jesus can help us. Amen. But the bottom line is, before we can enjoy a happy marriage, we need our hearts healed from past hurts, wounds, and experiences that have caused us to have character issues.
So now, in conclusion, we could easily listen to everything that we just heard and have a mental list of all the things that I would like to tell my spouse that he mentioned that you should have paid attention to. Did you hear whenever he said? Did you hear whenever he said? And we can be, um, you know, we can be totally on the defensive towards our spouse and focus everything that was said today and apply it to our spouse. But how many of you know that is not the goal here today? Amen. Amen. The goal here today is that we would get on the offense and not the defense and that we would make a decision to quit worrying about our spouse or fixing our spouse and start worrying and getting personally healed, getting our character right, self-improvement, amen? Come on, getting ourselves healthier and more whole because the healthier I am, I just improve my marriage right there, amen? The healthier I get, I just improve my relationships right there. What do you think about? about that. Y'all think that's a good idea? Let's get on the offense. And so listen, let me, let me just mention while we're concluding here, this coming Friday, we're going to have a couple that has had tremendous success in having a happy marriage and raising a strong family. And God is using to disciple the body of Christ throughout the nation and throughout the world. And they're going to be here Friday night and Saturday. If you're married or thinking about getting married, or you just got out of a marriage and you think, I ain't doing that again, come. Come. Invest the time in your marriage. Are you all with me? Forget about everything else. Listen, nothing is more important than relationships. Come on. Listen, I'm trying my best here to encourage you to make relationships priority. Do you know what it costs to get divorced? I don't know either, thank the Lord. But it does, I know it's not cheap, amen? You see them divorce attorneys with them big cars and stuff? They're getting, they getting marriage money, amen? Come on, let's, come on, let's do better. Let's the church, let's the body of Christ do better, amen, than what's happening in the world. Let's forge stronger, happier, healthier relationships, and let's, let's give the Lord glory in, in what we're doing and the way that we live our lives. Are y'all game for that, amen? Why don't you do me a favor, and let's stand together. You know, I, I just want to encourage you, if you, if you uh, for any reason... Don't not come to the marriage conference because you can't afford the $20 or the $40. If you can't afford it, you come talk to me and one of the pastors. Because what I've noticed over the years is that once we have a marriage conference, two weeks after the marriage conference, I get a call. Can you meet with me and my wife or me and my husband? And I say, well, did you come to the marriage conference? No. Well, man, it would have been great for you to come and learn. How many of you know, the more you know, you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what's so awesome about those of you that are young and single and hearing some of this stuff. I mean, some of the older couples in here, they had to go a long way before they learned any of this. 
And man, you know, they had to, they had to learn how to quit hitting each other upside the head. And they're still working on trying to keep hitting each other. Tanya and I had the privilege of learning some stuff before we got married, and we still want to hit each other upside the head. But how many of you know it sure helps to have a little bit of, a little bit of training, amen? Come on, are y'all with me this morning? Let's pray together. Just bow your head with me for just a moment. The master of relationships is Jesus Christ. And as I said earlier, you know that before you can have, you know, successful relationships, the first relationship that has to be settled is your relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life or if you're backslidden and you walked away from the Lord and it's time to come back, today's the day to just make the shift. Today's the day to get on the right page. Today's the day to get on the right page. Amen. And so if you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm a Christian, but I want to be sure. And I want you to pray for me. I want the Lord. I want to ask the Lord to forgive me and fill me with His Spirit so I can do better relationally. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and just raise it high so I can see it? If one hand, there you go, I see your hand. Anybody else, just raise your hand and raise it high so I can see it. Just raise. I want to pray for you. Right over here, I see your hand. Right over here, I see your hand. That's three hands. Right over here come on anybody else just raise your hand let's pray together say Lord Jesus thank you for dying on the cross so my sins could be forgiven I could be filled with your spirit and I could have eternal life Lord Jesus I need you I need your help would you help me would you forgive me Would you cleanse me? Would you come into my life and take over my life? Thank you, Jesus, for loving me just as I am. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, those of you that raised your hands, there's a green card in the pew. I've made a decision. Bring it to the lobby. Bring it up here to the altar. Let somebody know. We have a gift for you. We just want to give you just a Bible, some tools to help you get started on the greatest adventure that you could ever get into in life. Amen? Would you all agree with that? It's the best. Amen? Now listen, for the rest of us, if you're married, grab the hand of your spouse right now. If you're engaged, grab the hand of your spouse. Honey, would you join me up here? Let's pray together. We need help. Right? We need help. Can we just bow before the Lord? And and I want you to just circle your marriage right now. Circle your marriage. Circle your marriage in faith and in prayer. Come on, let's ask the Lord. Lord, would you help us today? God, would you help us to build stronger marriages? Would you help us, Lord, to be a better spouse? Lord, some of us have never seen it modeled. We don't know what it's like. But Lord, we know you'll mentor us. You'll help us. Lord, we know that through your grace that everything and anything is possible. And so, Lord, we know that you can take two individuals and through your spirit and through your power, you can make us one. And we're asking for you to do that today. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.